What's up, everybody? This is Alex Osterley, and thank you for tuning in to episode 12 of the Food Marketing Nerds podcast. We're already cruising into double digits of episodes here, and today we're going to be talking hummus. Hummus has been around for thousands of years, and yet Hope Foods, makers of Hope Hummus, has redefined the category as we know it. On the show today, we're going to be chatting with Will Berger, Director of Marketing for Hope Foods, about how a group of friends went from making hummus in their kitchen to now still a group of friends making hummus for stores all over the country and all on a shoestring budget. On today's episode, you're going to learn how to get buyers and customers talking to each other about your products, what you should be doing on social media to build awareness when you're entering a new market, where to look for inspiration for launching new flavors that people are going to love, and a whole lot more. So let's go kick it with Will. Welcome to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast, where we talk marketing, branding, and social media with the smartest minds in the business. Here's your host, Alex Osterly. So we're here today with Will Berger, who is the Director of Marketing for the company that makes Hope's Hummus, which is Hope Foods. So thanks so much for being here with us today, Will. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Can you give us a little bit of background into, into Hope Foods and, and how it went from where it was just a, a farmer's market company to having huge national distribution like it does today? Yeah, so it would be about five years ago we got started and a group of friends was really making food together in their kitchen and someone had the idea of coming up with, um, why don't we do, why don't we try hummus? And, you know, we had seen kind of the, the, the ability of small companies and small startups to sell their food into natural food stores like Whole Foods. And actually, that's where we got our start was with Whole Foods in Boulder, Colorado. And so they were like, well, we should try and see if we could try our hand at that. And so a few guys uh, got together and were thinking about that and began selling the first units of Hope Hummus out of the farmer's market in Boulder, Colorado, and making it in the kitchen in a Vitamix, actually. And People begin to love it. And it was actually really funny because people would come, they'd be like, where can I get this? I'm from, you know, Wisconsin or California or wherever. And and we were like, sorry, just here, just right now. We just, <laughs> we made it in our, our kitchen, you know? So, um, so that's, that was kind of the beginnings of it. We called it Hope actually from the beginning because that's who we were. Uh, we looked at a lot of other alternatives out there and the idea of hope, it's hope for a, a better product. It's hope for a different, not just hummus, but food in general can, can actually be made. And it tastes like you made it in your own kitchen, which is funny because that's where we started. But then it became a rallying point, point from there on out. If our name is hope and that's what we believe in and that's kind of our ethos, then from there on out, we always wanted to taste the same. Uh, regardless of how big we got. And so uh, after we got into uh, Whole Foods, it's very, it's easy to get into you know some of these natural food stores because you can go stock it yourself on the shelf and uh, distribute it yourself across you know a region. So take Denver, Boulder, for example. Um, so we started there and in a group, people loved it. And uh, our flagship flavor, our first flavor was a spicy avocado. So no one was really doing uh, an avocado hummus at the time. And so we were kind of on the cutting edge of that. And then our first foray into another state was the region of Whole Foods in Northern California, actually. And so we were pushing into there and then got some national attention going to some places like uh, some of these food expos and people 
just loved it because there's literally no hummus that tasted like ours on the market. And hummus was such a growing category. You know, hummus makes up about 70% of the refrigerated dips category, not including salsa. So hummus was growing and people were like, what is this hummus? I've never had stuff like this. It's chunky. It, you know, uh, there's, you know, flavors that you would not normally associate with hummus like avocado or uh, originally we had a sweet potato. We had a jalapeno cilantro. We were doing things that no one was doing. And I think that that really was our uh, what put us on the map. So it sounds like you guys are kind of creating a category of your own and then introducing these really unique and, and interesting flavors. Is that what was the main catalyst of growth or was it was it just the, the talk value amongst the buyers of these of these different retailers because it was so new? Um, I think it was both. I think there was uh, at the time not very many organic hummuses out there either. So that was the other thing is we, as, as the push for organic, non-GMO those types of foods are, you know, gaining traction just in the American diet in general. Um, people were demanding that more and more. And so we really entered the market from the beginning saying, you know, we're not just a hummus that has an alternative, organic alternative, but we're actually 100% organic. We always have been. And as we moved into national distribution at, at the time, you know, from coast to coast, as we even pushed out to the east, there were very few uh, full organic uh, hummuses out there. And so, and that was from the beginning. If hope is our name, if, if hope is what we believe in, then organic, if it's hope, hope for a better product, then organic is right there. And that was part of our, um, and people really found that attractive and, and, and buyers and, and uh, chains really were saying, you know, yes, we want this that actually aligns with our mission and our vision for um, the type of food we want to deliver to our customers. And so it was really a perfect partnership and relationship. And and uh, in the fact that we backed it up with a taste that was unlike anything uh, out there and a taste in, in bold flavors. We did a sriracha. We did a kale pesto. We did a Thai coconut curry. Then we uh, moved into dark chocolate. And so we had a dark chocolate hummus that no one was doing that at the time. And it's it was unbelievable. We actually uh, got that recipe from someone who worked for us, made it for their kids. It's a healthy alternative to a Nutella or a, you know, a Hershey's chocolate spread or something like that. So uh, my question is, how, as you guys begin, began to scale and increase that distribution across the company or across the country, how did you go about building awareness and showing potential customers that you were actually in stores in their area yeah and that's i mean welcome to the uh the game it's very difficult if you think about the grocery world is kind of made up of three main channels you have um the natural channel which is uh, very small comparative to the whole entire pie of dollars spent in grocery then you have the club channel which is the costcos the sam's clubs of the world and then you have the rest which is what we call conventional and so it's very hard when you begin to grow as especially as an organic company uh, it was we were very quick to grow in the organic or in the natural food world but to play in the conventional world is a completely different uh, animal for sure and so we had our work cut out for us i think for us from a marketing standpoint we realized that we cannot compete with dollars because we just simply don't have them. We're small. We're starting in a farmer's market. And ultimately, you know, we didn't really feel like we had to. We, we had what really mattered, which was, um, you know, uh, people, a passionate customer base. 
that really believed in organic and non-GMO and believed in what we were doing. And we really relied on them to grow our brand word of mouth, which I think is ultimately that type of authenticity is what every brand really looks for, no matter what size you're at. If you're, you know, if you're uh, big, you're trying to appear authentic, but we didn't have to appear authentic because we were. were. And so we grew in, in the social channels is the answer to your question. That's where we really put a lot of our effort of social media, where people actually did the brand awareness work for us and that we didn't, we don't have to do anything. And it actually was really, really, I don't know, cool to see people come out and say, you got to try this product. It's amazing. And, and what they stand for is, is what I stand for. And so we really relied on that. And that was where we started. I think the other thing is we realized we could win if we got our product in people's mouths because it's just simply better. And so a big thing that we tried was uh, and um, put a lot of effort behind was uh, demos. So any way that we could drive trial and samples, both at the store level, which is kind of where you start, you go into the store level. And so people come and they get interested because they're walking down the aisle and you say, hey, try this. And um, everyone's been at a store where, you know, there's someone handing out a sample. So that was big for us because once we noticed that once people try our product, it doesn't compare and and to the other uh, options out there, and, and the retention rate of customers was big after that, and they they wanted to return and and continue to buy our product. So that's where we really focused most of our effort, less on big things like. Um, advertising and those traditional marketing avenues, we really got a lot of PR coverage because of what we were doing too. People were, you got to see this, they're doing flavors that no one's doing out there. So we really waited and and patiently let that develop and, um, you know, it paid off for sure. So I noticed you guys put your social media icons on the seal of your products. Have you seen any noticeable difference in in follower growth or engagement from that? Yeah, we actually have. I mean, I think it's just saying from the very beginning, we are a company that cares what you think. We want to interact with you. We're not just distant from you. And I think that that's the biggest, you know, it helps people identify with our brand. And so if you get on our social media, specifically Instagram, which is a, we love that because our product is so visual that to be able to share photos and recipes and those types of things, we really want to show that the culture that built our company, one of exciting, innovative, creative uh, recipe development is actually something we want to continue to share. And so we both gather recipes from what other people do and repost them and and share their content with with the rest of our user base, which is really exciting and people love that. Or we're just sharing, you know, different recipes that we've developed in the in the past and way different fun ways to use our hummus and really just get it out there. And if you get on our website, same kind of thing. So Yes, we have seen a lot of engagement uh, socially, especially compared to other hummus companies out there. I I noticed also on on your website, it looks like you guys post a lot more recipes than you do editorial style blog content. Is that tied in with the, I guess, the nature of Instagram and social media and just the shareability? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's not that we don't want to grow into other types of content, but I I really believe that we want to give people what I think will be most beneficial to them and what they really desire for their families. And which is, you know, we are a food company that makes quality food. And so therefore we want 
people to come and partake in that and co- come away with more ways to use it. And so if we have, you know, only so much, so many uh, chances to reach somebody, we'd rather reach them with the thing that we're most authentically connected to, which is food development. I think we would love to, as we grow and as we shift our, you know, and just mature as a company, grow into other things that would make sense. But for now, this is what we're good at. And we do food, we know food, and that's what sets us apart. Are, are there any ways that you guys are, are getting that, that content out there further uh, outside of just organic social media reach, uh, w- whether it's Facebook promoted posts or if it's uh, influencers or even like medium content distribution platforms? Yeah, well, and, and so that's that's a good question. I, as, as you know, the social media platforms are always changing the way that their content gets uh, distributed to the users. And so just because, uh, you know, on Facebook, just because we post something and we have... 15, 16,000 people who have uh, liked our page doesn't mean that those 15, 16,000 people will see our content if we post it. And so it is necessary to boost and it is necessary to play by the rules, I guess, set up. Uh, it's hard because those rules are always changing, but you have to be able to understand it is worth it to be able to get our product out there in front of more and more people, especially if they've already gone the step to say, hey, we're, we value your, you know, your product and your company and your page enough to like it. And therefore, I want to, you know, see more. We'll do that. We'll boost some some ads on on uh, or posts on Instagram so that more people can see it. Especially if we're doing something in a certain region. Um, let's say we have a uh, we're rolling out into a new chain in California, and we want people to know that we're there. We did a study recently, and we found that uh, the top three reasons why people desire our product or or desire a product and want to continue to buy it is because it tastes good. They can find it and um, it's fresh. And so we look at that and we really have the first the first one and the third one down. It tastes good and it's fresh, but we are trying to help people find it, especially as we grow. And, and like I said, growing into a conventional store and really competing on shelf with all those other brands is, is difficult. And so we'll take uh, Instagram or Facebook and really try and target where people can, you know, get that message and you can do that and they have tools to do that. And we found that to be pretty successful or doing uh, the other thing to, to geographically reach people is to do targeted uh, PR pushes. And so, you know, local food publications, food bloggers. And the cool thing with us is we don't have to literally, I can give product to these, to these bloggers and influencers and, they love it. So I'm not sitting there having to pay a bunch of them to do things and, and pretend like they enjoy it, you know, and that's been very helpful for us. And it's why I would always encourage anybody in the food industry to make sure their product is something that people actually want. And it's much easier to get people to organically write about it and, you know, no pun intended. So that's how we do that. Is there... I- in the, the years that you've worked at, at Hope Foods, is there something in particular that stands out as far as marketing a food product goes that you know now but that you wish you had known when you started? I think number one is identifying that, like I said kind of at the beginning, and it's taken me a while to realize this, um, especially because there's a lot of th- – th- th- to back up – when you first get into marketing, there's a bunch of people trying to sell their service to you, and everybody is convinced that their service is the best service. Uh, whether it's a certain type of advertising, whether it's digital, you know, um, digital advertising or radio advertising or TV or 
a PR approach or, I mean, the amount of calls and emails that I receive, people trying to pitch their various marketing services to me is overwhelming. And I think having to sort through that, you have to learn the hard way, do your research, find out what turns the dial. But at the end of the day, what turns the dial that we've found more than anything is if people can try our product. And so everything has to further that goal. And I think sometimes it's hard to know how to do that. It's hard to know how to, well, it is, how does advertising further that goal? Well, you can just put something out there in the airwaves, but who knows how it's being, you know, which ears it's reaching. And so I think for me, I wish I would have, I, I, it's not that I, I actually wouldn't take any of it back because this was all our learning process, but we've realized that more than anything, people just need to have an experience with our product. And that's where we win. So you say, you take a look at your brand and you go, what do we have to offer that no one else has to offer? Where can we win? Don't don't compete and put a bunch of money and time and effort into some into a place that you really can't win. And that's okay. Like everybody, you have to find your niche in the market and then you have to be able to support that niche and you have to be able to to be the first in that place. Go, this is what we do well and this is what we're gonna earn. And so for us it's taste and therefore Taste and quality, and therefore, how do I get people to understand that? Um, it doesn't mean you don't do the other things. It doesn't mean that we don't, you know, we're, we're still trying to learn how to do those other big marketing things like advertising and PR, but at the end of the day, um, I would have really focused a lot more of our resources, effort, time, and energy towards, um, towards driving trial. Is there, a, is there a particular resource that you guys lean on or, or reference when you're identifying a different flavor profiles or, or upcoming trends that that's reliable there's a lot of food expos and those are probably the places where we learn the most i would say you go and there's just brands and food brands and companies from all over the country all over the world at these at these expos and you show up and you get to just immerse yourself in the flavors that are you know coming out and different things people are trying and it's just a lot a lot of fun and you know, they're trade shows, but it's just fun to see what other people are doing. You get an idea and you just go, you know, well, that may work with chips. What if we tried that with hummus? You know, whatever. So there's a lot of that. It's a pretty tight knit community and industry. And so people are sharing stuff all the time. I think there's certain blogs or certain magazines that are constantly trying new things with flavor. And I think it's fun just to uh, explore that, and we have a we have a great time doing that. I mean, we're we're sitting in our test kitchens, constantly coming up with fun stuff that you know never will make it out there, but we just love it, so we do it. So, last couple questions here, wrapping up. Uh, as a few questions we ask ask all of our guests. Do you have any personal life hacks or or use any tools that help to boost your productivity? Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, the biggest thing for me is, especially in marketing, your productivity only goes so far if you don't have the creativity behind it. And I think that's, that's been the hardest part. Any, you know, you can sit down and you can get your tasks done, but when what you're being asked to do is actually create culture and it's to create brand experience, it's to create something new. All of those realities make it very hard just to sit down and quote unquote be productive. And so for me, I realized where where do where do I mostly you know where do I mostly find my creative juices flowing? And it's not always just sitting behind a desk for sure. Um, I love being with people. I'm a people person, and so for me, 
uh, talking with people, learning, being out there, getting to know what other people, other companies are doing, networking. All those things are very important for my actual ability to produce what the company has asked of me and what my job position is. If my job is to actually create culture, I don't always do that by just sitting behind a computer all day. You know, whether it's getting out, whether it's, you know, exercising, whatever it is, those are the places where, and you can't be afraid of that. And it's hard because sometimes I wish I had a job that was measurable. And it's not always measurable. Marketing is very difficult because how do you turn the dial? Well, it, you know, did, did, you know, did what you did do in this advertising push or this sample push accomplish your goal and sometimes it's clear cut and sometimes it's not clear cut you know i think that's that's the hardest part for me but if i'm somebody if if i'm living and breathing ultimately what i'm trying to accomplish then that's what people want and that's what they want to follow both in the company and then also people that follow our our brand and they'll want to look at you know what we're doing and say do you really believe this and i think I want to live that life and I can't do that if I'm just sitting there. Um, so I'm a very active person. I have to be out. I have to be doing things. I have to be meeting with people. So that's, that's how it works for me. That's great. And so last question here, is there a book that you've read recently or just throughout your career really that has really influenced the way that you think or to help helps you do your job better? That is a great question. I think that, uh, well, there's a few I love to read, but one of the biggest marketing books that I, well, there's two, there's two. So there's a marketing book and then there's a uh, management book that I would recommend. Um, the first one is called Positioning. It's a kind of a marketing classic that it's been around for a long time. And uh, it is a guy talking about how to position brands and how to really like kind of what I was saying earlier about how to win where you can win and not try and be somebody who you're not. And uh, so I would definitely recommend that from a marketing standpoint because it'll save it saved me a lot of time and energy thinking about where hope is and where it's going and really help me own where I think we are owning. And thank goodness we haven't had a lot of marketing resources to waste yet. But, you know, I, it's, it's been very important for me to not uh, waste resources if we have them. Where where can I put them so that they have the biggest impact? And, and that starts with understanding kind of the soul behind your brand. And I think positioning is really, this book, is, it helped me understand not just the soul, but where does the soul of our brand interact with the market in general? And it's all about how to stand out in a very crowded market based on where your strengths lie. So that's one. The second book is just, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners out there would or have heard of it, but it's called The One Minute Manager Meets the Monkey. So it's by Kenneth Blanchard, which wrote the one minute, he wrote The One Minute Manager, which is kind of a kind of a business classic, but the one minute manager meets the monkey for me was, it's just very small and it's basically a story talking about tasks and to do's uh, and comparing them to monkeys. And whenever you come into a meeting, you know, there's a, a bunch of monkeys get put on the table and then those are tasks. And then those monkeys then attach themselves to people's backs. And that then becomes a task that you have to do. And uh, it's teaching managers how to not um, have a meeting and then uh, not give people actionable items and so therefore they reverse delegate and now you're still left with all the work as the manager and it's very difficult to learn that and that helped me especially because management is not a strength of mine you know practical management and kind of learning that uh, realizing that I didn't have a lot of uh, 
uh, natural strengths there. And I've had to learn a lot about how to delegate well and um, understand, you know, what I can do and what somebody else can do. So anyways, those are the two that I would recommend. Well, that's great. And thank you so much, Will, for being on the show. It's It's been a pleasure getting to hear from hear from you and, and how you guys have, have really stayed lean and, and stuck to your stuck to your guns as far as as growing smart and using a i guess a that lean startup approach to to growing your brand even though even though you guys have have grown into something that's that's across the country now and and is much bigger than than where it was when you when you took it so thanks again and where so where can people find out more about hope hope foods uh www.hopefoods.com and then uh, you can follow us on Instagram. That's probably, uh, if you want the kind of most up-to-date, what we're doing from a recipe development, product development standpoint. Um, and that's just at Hope Foods is our, our handle. So, And then you can find us on Facebook as well and Twitter. So um, those are the best places to find out about us. And, and, and we have store locators uh, on our website that people can go to and find out um, up-to-date information about where they can get our products. That's great. You guys are killing it, and I'm sure that's a lot has a lot to do with what the initiatives that you're putting into place. So can't wait to see what comes out next, and gotta get gotta get my hands on some of that chocolate hummus. Yes, you do. Thank you. All right. Take care, Will. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Food Marketing Nerds. If you guys are enjoying the podcast or finding any information helpful to you or your business, we would really, really appreciate it if you could take a quick second to give us your honest feedback in a review on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in, and I will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening to the Food Marketing Nerds Podcast. For interview transcripts or to download your free social media ebook, check out foodmarketingnerds.com.